0: The Fantasy Football Beat.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. Yes, even David Johnson honors.
2: I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Bieler, and just in case anyone thought I was some kind of actual fantasy football expert, last night I picked up Chris Johnson and dropped Doug Martin.
0: I'm Jeff Dooley, and <laughs> wow, Dez, that's, uh, yeah. that's an interesting uh, move. What happened there?
2: Yeah, it was it was a giant mistake. Uh, I meant to drop somebody else, not a valuable running back who I, as an aforementioned David Johnson owner, will desperately need in a couple of weeks. I meant to drop Kendall Wright, uh, picked the wrong guy in the queue, so, when, oh when, the way, when the transaction's processed, I saw to my heart, like, oh, my God, I just picked up a kind of a sketchy running back for one of my sh- lineup mainstays in the weeks to come. So I threw myself on the mercy of the league. Now, let me ask you guys, what, what would you have done if you were running the league in that case? No mercy. No, no mercy. mercy. No mercy, says Mike. Jeff?
1: You have a podcast. There's no mercy for I, said, podcast look, I said,
2: hosts. Look, it's a, mis- it's a mistake. I really meant to-. And this is in the immediate aftermath of it happening. Like, oh, my God, I dropped the wrong guy. That was a total mistake. Yeah, you know, I meant to drop this other guy. Can you know? Can we please like undo
0: this? I, th- you know, coming out of week one, I might grant a little leniency only from from a, a paying it forward standpoint. Mm. Um, Were I, you on Quaaludes? I, I, yeah. Are there <laughs> extenuating
1: factors here?
2: No, it was well. The only extenuating factor in terms of the the move itself was it was made kind of hastily, like toward the deadline for make, getting in waiver moves, because the news came out kind of late last evening that Chris Johnson, mm-hmm. who was just recently picked up, obviously in the wake of David Johnson's injury, right, um, might actually get take over as the feature back. Like it might not be Kerwin Williams, and I figured there would be a huge rush for Kerwin Williams, and I thought, okay, well, let me put in kind of a sneaky last minute move for Chris Johnson. So it was. It was kind of it was sneaky, made. all right. Oh, yeah. it was super sneaky. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the way it worked out, fortunately, Mike, you're not the commissioner of my league. <laughs> the commissioner of our league is a much more, uh, much more magnanimous individual. Actually, our, our, the post-esteemed college's editor, David Larimer, who, to my great uh, relief, uh, judged in my favor over some of the, I would say, objectives of some of the league who thought, hey, you made a mistake. You know, you got to live with it. But there is precedent in the league for (laughs) this sort of thing, mainly because I've done it before. And Uh, we we will go through
0: (laughs) all previous 12 cases now.
2: I mean, I think think it just kind of goes to the kind of fantasy league you like. I mean, I could see it both ways. Sure, like, the arguments other people were making was like, look, you had time to look over your waiver moves. You made a mistake. You should have to live with your mistake. I mean, my feeling is... Doug Martin's on waivers for a day. It's not like any team could immediately pick him up. So there's time to rectify this error. And I feel like in a case like it's a friendly league, we're trying to establish like a friendly vibe, you know, in that in that sort of case where there's no repercussions to any other team in the league, I think it's okay to let, and obviously I'm, I'm speaking out of self-interest here, but I think it's okay to... <laughs> Slight <laughs> bias. Slight A very thoughtful response to your own yes. plight, Dennis. Right. Well, anyway, so it was one of those sort of, Fantasy, conundrums, ethical dilemmas that fortunately worked out in my favor. And again, shout out to our Steam college's editor, Dave Larimer, for being a wise and understanding commissioner, unlike Mike Hume. Yes, no, I prefer to run my leagues like the
1: uh, Cobra Kai. No mercy, baby. Sweep a leg. (laughs) Week one in the books, and much to Des's chagrin, waivers have also been run. So hopefully you got your claims in early in most leagues. Some of them have later uh, waiver dates, in which case you might be able to uh, harness a few tips you're about to hear. So, guys, let's get right to the big idea, because we talked about panic. Obviously, Dez had his own <laughs> oh unique God. reason for panic, but yeah. we, won't, we'll, we won't touch self- on Self-inflicted <laughs> panic. Self-inflicted. <laughs> Indeed. For, uh, for some, probably best not to overreact. For others, might be time to press that panic button. Let's get to it. The big idea.
0: The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL team. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. All right, fellas. The big idea for this week is do not overreact to week one with one very notable exception. That is you, David Johnson, owners out uh, there. We're going to get into this a little bit more. Des already mentioned uh, he, he's gone and picked up Chris Johnson, who's an intriguing uh, add to the Cardinals roster. Uh, generally speaking, though... Uh, especially if you've drafted uh, a stud like Le'Veon Bell. Maybe the guy you should have drafted instead of uh, David Johnson, Des, after uh. telling us all summer to pick Le'Veon Bell. I know, I know. David
2: that Johnson. was karmic come up in a big way for me. Uh,
0: but, you know, other, other guys we want to mention there, uh, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, any of the blue chippers, uh, do not panic, do not overreact to week one, uh, but there's still some lessons to learn. The big one, uh, obviously David Johnson's injury. How are you guys uh, preparing to overcome that? I think the key is to prey on the
1: weak. And I'm going to continue my Cobra Kai <laughs> approach to fantasy wow, football ruthless. right now. Ruthless, Mike you But this seriously, is... you're going to have people in your league who are pulling their hair out because A.J. Green had a bad game. It's okay if AJ Green's on your roster; he will have better games. I guarantee
2: it. It wasn't. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it was like five catches for seventy-four yards. I mean, there were there were worse. Per- I mean, Des Bryant went two for forty-three. Exactly. That's True. probably a better example. Better example there. But there are going to be
1: people that are going to overreact. That are going to say, "Oh my God, this guy isn't going to do anything uh, I thought he would do. I got to sell him right now. Let me try and get recoup some value while I can." Des, you identified a couple of those uh, targets in your early week trade column. Who are you honing in on if you're trying to replace David Johnson on your roster?
2: Yes, Mike. Well, as written in the, well, virtual pages of The Washington Post. uh, The digital stone tablets. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yes, I I write a weekly trade column, and obviously a very obvious topic presented itself, uh, especially for me as an aforementioned David Johnson owner in one league who now is scrambling. You know, I I think— you obviously you can you want to hit the waiver wires. You want to do what you can. You can pick up Kerwin Williams. You can pick up Chris Johnson. Maybe you sprung for Tariq Cohen, which was a good move in that case. And one one team in our league spent seventy-two dollars out of one hundred and fifty on Tariq Cohen, just to give you an idea of some of the prices that he's fetching. That there. might be an
1: overreaction. but <laughs> they were that's, yeah, they, that's aggressive.
2: They pursued a zero RB pr- approach during the draft, so I think their, their top okay, running back okay. going into this process was uh, Chris Carson or something like that. Oh. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, I think in the in the case of David Johnson owner, you should be also looking to maybe replace him via trades and try to pick on some owners who may be panicked about poor uh, performances by certain other running backs. And I'm thinking more like RB2s. Like, I mean, obviously, DeMarco Murray had a pretty lousy opening week, but no one's going to just trade you DeMarco Murray unless you offer him, uh, you know. If you, and if you have that much to bring to offer for DeMarco Murray, maybe your team's not in that much trouble. Mm-hmm. Some of the running backs I'm, I'm looking at are kind of second tier guys. I'll start with Joe Mixon. Now, th- this is a trade I would advocate for anyone to try to make because I think Mixon, we already thought coming in he would be in some order of committee that it might take a little while for him to emerge from and sure enough that came to pass in a big way on Sunday. He only got eight carries and he took them for nine yards uh, and he had three catches for 15 (laughs) yards. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, the whole Bengals offense couldn't do anything and I, I think that might have something to do with the Ravens defense, which is why I'm a little bit higher coming out of that week on Mixon than some people might be. I also think it's encouraging that Mixon had 22 uh, snaps to Jeremy Hill's 10. Jeremy Hill, sure enough, began began the game as the starting running back. But I think it's clear already that the Bengals see Mixon as more of an all-around back, a guy they want to have in the field more often. The running back who got the most work was Geo Bernard. He got 26 snaps, but mm-hmm. you have to remember the Bengals were shut out in that game. Yeah. So they were kind of sort of playing from behind the entire time, and that's obviously a situation where Bernard will see a lot of work in the passing game. But I think there were some, some actual encouraging signs came out of that for Mixon. So make a low ball bid for him. See if his owners panicked. I think another good RB target is Tevin Coleman. You know, I'd mentioned last week that maybe the Falcons would have a little bit rougher sledding against the Bears than some people anticipated. Sure enough, that came to pass. Tevin Coleman had eight carries for 16 yards, kind of salvaged his day, especially in PPR leagues, with four catches for 42 yards, but didn't hit the end zone, which was something he did a lot last season. So I think, you know, he may have an owner who all of a sudden is thinking, oh, my God, this is not what I, you know, what I was expecting. Coleman actually had a pretty large share of the uh, the workload there. I mean, it's not like Devontae Freeman got in the end zone, but he didn't do a whole lot either. So I like him as a bounce-back guy.
0: One of the guys on the list Des, right, that, that, I, that I really like is Carlos Hyde. Yeah. Uh, or I should say, I, I really liked him coming into the year. He, yes. he didn't have an impressive Week 1 uh, performance, but he's a guy where some of the, the signs you want to look for are, uh, are snap counts, uh, how willing is the coach uh, to put him on the field, mm-hmm. and then in the case in the passing game, targets, how willing is the quarterback to trust him. Uh, how many carries is he getting around the goal Car- line, too? Ca- exactly, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and Carlos Hyde got a lot of work in that uh, that opening uh, week loss to Carolina, so he he's another, another buy low guy of yours that I, I think is a smart play. Yeah,
2: I mean, he's he's actually sort of the best case scenario. I was saving a little bit to, to put him out there as like if you can get Carlos Hyde, I mean, that's a that's sort of a dream, especially not for an exorbitant price, that's sort of a dream come true because he's a locked in RB1, I think. Certainly on his team, and I think that's another offense that will get better going forward. Maybe not this week, because they're playing the Seahawks. So maybe you wait a week, and presuming he struggles against the Seahawks, then you, go, then you dive in with the low-ball bid for Carlos Hyde. Speaking, speaking of the Seahawks, Thomas Rawls, another guy,
1: you know, obviously didn't play week one. Some concern there that he might not have that lead-back status anymore with, uh, with Carson there. Another potential target?
2: Absolutely, I, you know this is a bit more of a roll of the dice. But I think if you're a David Johnson owner, you know you, you need to think about maybe rolling. <laughs> definitely, you're rolling desperate. Dice. Yeah, exactly. No. You're kind of over you're a barrel Doug here. Doug Martin, Thomas Rawls, to me represents a chance to get in on the ground floor of a starting running back on what should be a good offense despite what we saw in week one while his price is still low because he hasn't taken the field yet and like you said Chris Carson made enough of a splash in week one that I think there's genuine cons- uh, concern if you are thinking about Rawls that maybe Carson's the guy and maybe he is but I think as we sit here right now Rawls is atop the depth chart on that team he will be given the chance to cement that job as a lead back and what we might see actually is Carson cements the job as the change of pace guy with Eddie Lacy thoroughly <laughs> out of the picture and and C J ProSize, who was I loved going through the draft process but I think the Seahawks might just be taking it really slowly with C J ProSize. they might be saying prove to us that you can stay on the field before we give you a big role
1: in 2018
2: in, exactly and as we mentioned the Seahawks Se- possibly and as we mentioned the Seahawks are playing the 49ers which is a, a fantastic matchup for any running back.
0: Yeah, the Seattle situation is thoroughly confusing. While we're confessing atrocious mistakes, I actually started Eddie Lacy <laughs> oh, no. in uh, in my money league. Well, uh, he was he was your boy. I need I needed a last minute in in some fairness to me, I needed a last minute replacement for Odell Beckham Jr. because he wasn't going to play, so right. I, I plugged him in a, a, as the flex, and, and it was we watched him uh, lose his job in real time, uh, which was exciting. But I do think there, there's <laughs> value. Whoever uh, emerges as the <laughs> RB one in Seattle, that's a fantasy asset, and so. Rawls has the potential to do that. Chris Carson looked pretty good, right? Um, but Ra- Rawls, when Rawls was uh, a rookie himself, he, he was fantastic in relief of Marshawn Lynch. So th- it, there's upside there. It could be.
2: It could be. I mean, it's probably going to be some kind of timeshare. But if Rawls is sort of the leader of that timeshare, and you get him for next to nothing because his current owner doesn't realize what he's sitting on, maybe he's discouraged by the fact he didn't play last week. Whatever, you know. I, I think you, you, I think that's a good deal to make. Yeah, and we'll,
1: we'll get into one of these guys later. But the thing that's interesting to me about Rawls is I could see somebody parting ways with him right now. Like, yeah. if, if you gave me something that I actually needed, like if you lowball me, I'm not going to trade with you. But if, you give, if I need a tight end or I'm in a two-quarterback league and you're going to give me a low-end quarterback
2: in exchange for him or a mid-tier quarterback in exchange for him, yeah, maybe I, that gets it done. Right, and speaking of making trades— I mean, obviously, you, you, you want to try and put—you want to replace David Johnson in some kind of way. You don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul. You don't want to weaken yourself at another position. Like, if you have two stud wide receivers, you don't necessarily want to trade one of those wide receivers to get a running back because then you're just weakening yourself at wide receiver, and that's not great. You know, as an example, in the league where I lost David Johnson, I did draft uh, Rob Gronkowski and Delaney Walker. Now, Walker had a very nice week one. Gronk yeah. didn't do a lot, but obviously he's everyone— exp- Yeah, he's Gronk. So my plan will be to put those two, on, I've already done it in, in that league, I put them on the trade block, you know. and I'm willing to say, look, who wants a good tight end? Maybe I can package. Also, if you're the David Johnson owner, I think you definitely should shop David Johnson. You know, There's a chance that he comes back in as little as eight weeks. That's a good there point. Could be, there could be a team out there that wants to, you talk about rolling the dice, maybe a team in your league is pretty confident about making the playoffs, maybe they romped in week one, maybe they drafted Ezekiel Elliott in round two, and they're sitting in the catbird seat. You know, put him out there because he could have value to some owner. Not a ton, but enough to, to sort of swing a deal. All right. Well, and if that doesn't work out, you can always just, you know, drop Doug Martin. <laughs> he just had to
1: go there. Stock watch. Stock watch. One week down, 16 more to go. Some guys already on the rise and others going the other direction.
2: Des, who's up, who's down? Right. Well, down is obviously me to some degree, but uh, enough about me. Uh, up, let's start. Let's, let's go positive here. Let's start with Ty Montgomery of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, there was some question about how much of a timeshare he might be in with uh, Jamal Williams, for one, who had a pretty impressive training camp, or so it seemed, and looked good in the preseason. But on, on Sunday against the Seahawks, it was all Montgomery pretty much all the time. He had 74 snaps to just six for Jamal Williams, so clearly dominated that workload. <laughs> That's a pretty good ratio. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> solid. He didn't do a ton on the ground. He got 19 carries, which you like to see. Didn't do a lot with him. Took him for 54 yards. But again, this is against the Seahawks, who just bolstered their defensive line with Sheldon Richardson. He did score, uh, Montgomery did score a touchdown on the ground, and he caught four balls for 39 yards. So a very uh, encouraging sign for Montgomery owners there.
0: Yeah, this is a guy you probably got in the fourth round if he's on your team. Uh, and the reason why he slipped that far is that we weren't really sure is he going to be uh, is he going to be the, the only guy there? Even if he was sort of the the primary guy, was going to be more of a committee. Uh, week one, the answer was absolutely not that he is the main guy. 19 carries against a really stout Seattle front. Um, that's tough to run against that shows they're fine with him being the workhorse back obviously the receiving value is there too i'm still weirded out by the number 88 i really think they should change that if he's gonna be a running back (laughs) he should have a running backs number uh the league should really be on top of this but otherwise Ty montgomery great fantasy asset
1: yeah and i'm really excited to see what he can do in a shootout i mean obviously last game they sort of controlled it from start to finish this sunday night against the falcons that could be like a 20 to 30 point game depending on how that uh scoring goes all right, moving on. All right,
2: uh, let's go next to uh, Buck Allen, or is it Javorius Allen? Do we have a ruling on this? Or, sh- what are we going with?
0: I'm seeing it as Javorius, and I yeah. thought we had all agreed on Buck. I thought so, too. But is, it's probably should be yeah. his decision, so I, I, I'm good either way.
2: I, I don't know. I'm going with Buck Allen. It's more fun. It's sort of like a DeMarcus slash Boogie Cousins thing. I mean, if you have the if the option to say Boogie Cousins, why don't why don't you take it, right? So... Let's go with Buck Allen. Um, he stepped in. Obviously, uh, Danny Woodhead went down, um, another guy that fantasy owners are, are lamenting the loss of, obviously. Allen uh, actually wound up in that and, and Woodhead went down early enough that Allen wound up getting a lot of work. He got 33 snaps, whereas Terrence West, the starter, who you think might benefit the most from Woodhead's uh, absence, got 27 snaps. Neither of them did, a, uh, they did okay on the ground. Um, this was against the Bengals. Allen uh, actually had 21 carries for 71 yards. He only had one pass target and didn't catch it, which is... Okay, so, but he is, exp- he's, which maybe indicates that he's not taking over the Woodhead role, but I think he is. Either way, he's, he's a guy that's obviously attained a ton more value going forward, at least as long
0: as Woodhead is out, which could be from four to eight weeks. I think he's worth a look on the waiver wire. It sort of depends on on the depth of your league, uh, the depth of that waiver wire, because, to your point, Des, uh, neither he nor Terrence West caught a pass in that game. Each had one target. My, my unanswered question is, who is going to get those passing targets out of the backfield? It may have just been that Danny Woodhead such a unique, Weapon in that regard, that maybe the targets go somewhere else—Jeremy Macklin or Brashad Perryman or something like that. So we'll have to see. Um, but but I do think that's sort of my unanswered question: if he's just the if he's just the backup to Terrence West and he's not a factor in the passing game, he's he's not worth having on my team.
2: Yeah, uh, there is a possibility that. Um, little-used slot receiver Michael Campanaro might get a lot more work here. Joe Flacco tossed his name out there yesterday. You just Who wanted has? to say Michael Campanaro. Yeah, I did. He could be the equipment manager for all I know. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be a Ty Montgomery light sort of situation where, where a, a wide receiver actually moves into the backfield in order to take a, take some of that load. Also, Jeremy Macklin might really be the big winner here. He plays in the slot all the time and could point. really rack up receptions. But, you know, uh, Buck Allen, definitely stock watch upward. Um, so one one last guy on the upward trajectory. That's Corey Davis. Now, he was the fifth overall pick? No, fourth overall pick in the draft? Number Top, f-
0: a fifth overall. Fifth
2: overall, exactly. Like, high pick. So coming yeah. out of the draft, and he was a stud in college, so coming out of the draft, you certainly thought, OK, this guy's ticketed for big things probably early on. But then the Titans added Eric Decker. And Corey Davis actually injured his hamstring only four, oh, like four days into offseason practices, didn't play in the preseason. So we would have thought, okay, he's going to get off to a slow start. But in, in fact, he got off to a great start. He had six catches for 69 yards. He had a team-high 10 targets. That's the big thing to me. Yeah. So I mean so right away he's he's taking over a huge role in the team, and this is week one. So you think like going forward, I mean obviously not every week's gonna be incredible, but I think it's very encouraging for Corey Davis that he already seems to be stepping into the role as a team's top wide receiver.
0: Yeah, he's one of those guys. If he had gotten a touchdown as an example, everyone would be raving about him as as the new the new fantasy stud. No one would be talking about Kenny Galladay, they all be talking about Corey Davis. Now, you know, six catches for sixty six yards doesn't look impressive, but those were some really, really athletic catches, uh, really made some good plays on the ball. I think he's he's a breakout guy this year. Uh, if he's available in your league, I think he's drafted in, in most or, or currently rostered in most, but if for some reason he's available, go snap him up now.
1: All right, and on the flip side, down in New Orleans, why do I feel like Mark Ingram is standing on the sidelines, saying, "Adrian Peterson, welcome to my world. Meet <laughs> our boss, Sean Payton."
2: Right. Well, what was he, what was craziest about it was that it wasn't so much down in New Orleans; it was up in Minnesota, where Adrian Peterson obviously right, but they began his career for the New Orleans Saints. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. They, they've been. They've been. Sean Payton has been uh, age, uh, Mark Ingram's nemesis for years now, and apparently, he's <laughs> happy to play the same role with Adrian Peterson. You would have thought facing his old team in the Vikings. The freshest legs he's going to have all season that maybe Peterson would have had a big workload in a game that... Powered by revenge. Yeah, I mean, the Saints were behind in that game, but it didn't get away from them particularly. They were down 10 points at halftime. You know, they they were hanging around there. They could have given Peterson more work. Instead, he got nine snaps. Now, out of those nine snaps, he I mean, the good news is he got the ball a lot in those nine snaps. He had six carries, uh, but he took him for 18 yards. But, you know, that is that is a very discouragingly low
0: workload in a situation where you might have thought maybe Adrian Peterson would get a little bit more work than that. Totally agree, and his stock is absolutely down. We're, we're right to characterize him in that way. I still don't think we have <laughs> the answers yet on the New Orleans backfield, I'll say that. Uh, that's a really stout uh, Vikings front seven, sure. just good defense overall. I could see the temptation to drop him if you drafted him, but I might hang on for another week to see what's going on. It was also interesting hearing John Gruden, the Monday Night Football announcer, talk about how Saints coaches have talked about Alvin Kamara, Mm -hmm. how they came out of his workout at Tennessee and said, no, we've got to go get this guy. They traded up into the third, or within the third round, they traded up to get him. He's got some pass-catching ability, so he's another guy. Don't sleep on him later taking on a bigger role, so I don't think we know the answers yet in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, one thing with Kamara, he was on the field a lot when they were chasing that comeback, and Last I checked, New Orleans defense, not
2: that good. No, it's terrible. Yeah, so you, on the one hand, you could say, okay, in games where New Orleans will be leading, we could probably see Adrian Peterson more in that kind of clock-chewing uh, mode. But then again, yeah, they figured it be kind of a 7-9 to team or, or thereabouts, so they'll be behind a lot. And Kamara did get the most snaps. He got more snaps than Ingram, even. So you could, you could say stock down for Mark Ingram, too, if, if you wanted to. Um, let's go to another big-name running back, Todd Gurley. Now, you might say, wait a minute, didn't he have a good game, as did the whole Rams offense? Uh, I mean, from a fantasy scoring perspective, he did. He, he uh, got in the end zone, and he got about 90-something total yards. So, so what are you worried about, What Des? are you worried about? I am a little bit worried that he got 19. In a, in a game where the Rams thrashed the Colts and were ahead the whole time and had their way with this team, he got 19 carries and took him for 40 yards. That's that's a little bit than That's a 2.1 per carry average. This from a running back who struggled to gain yards last season. So it, it isn't, this doesn't even seem like that much of an aberration. Now, granted, if he can get in the end zone and he can get that much work and he got five catches for 56 yards, you like to see that work usage in the passing game. But I think you know they're not going to play uh, ca- you know cupcakes like the Colts every week. And if he can't go for, uh, for yardage, that's obviously going to be a major problem. Uh, pro football focuses Pat Thorman measured gurley as having the lowest yards before contact Sunday mm. at negative point seven before so he was getting hit more often than not before oh, wow. he even got to the line of scrimmage. Now that goes to the Rams offensive line. Yeah. But that was again, that was a problem last year for Gurley. So it's not it's not always gurley's fault, but in in, in that that still means that his situation is still
0: not ideal. See, uh, I'm a, a Todd Gurley owner in one league, and uh, and I actually had a, a totally different response to week one. I, I do think the yards per carry, no no question there's a red flag. The offensive line play is run blocking is definitely an issue. Uh, I was so encouraged, though, by the five catches for 56 yards on six targets. Yep. His involvement in the passing game totally uh, sort of uh, transforms his fantasy value, in my opinion, sort of makes up for maybe some of the concerns uh, that are fair in the running game but he's still their goal line guy. This offense is obviously – they're not going to score 46 points each week, and, and the defense helped a lot with that. But um – They're not going to be that prolific, but this offense is much improved. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good as someone who got uh, Gurley at the end of the second round, which is where he was going a lot of drafts.
1: One last name on the stock down list, and this is a missing persons report. Aging Hunter Henry. Hunter
2: Henry. Hello, Hunter Henry. Now this is a case. You know, we talked about panic earlier, and like, ah, don't panic. It's one week. You'll be fine. Well, I think some panic is warranted here. You know, if, if you drafted Hunter Henry. He was a top 12 tight end in most rankings, You know, sort of toward the bottom of that. But, but I think in most leagues, he was drafted to be your starting tight end. Breakout tight and end in, And in a candidate. lot of cases, you didn't draft another tight end because you generally don't want to load up too much at that position. You need to think about maybe adding another tight end to your roster. The main concerns here are the biggest one, obviously, is zero targets. He didn't just catch no <laughs> passes. He got zero targets. And this was in a game the Chargers were behind for the most part. They mm-hmm. were throwing the ball around. You know, we worried about all the mouths to feed in the Chargers offense, and you saw it there. Uh, but what you also saw that we didn't, that we, we thought that Hunter Henry would, would kind of take over from Antonio Gates. Gates is still around, but Henry would be sort of the number one type, the 1A to Gates' 1B, but it did not play out that way at all on uh, Monday night. Um, he, Hunter Henry had 23, 23 snaps to Antonio Gates' 38, I think. So you know, so Gates was on the field a lot more often, got some of the He didn't do great either, but got some of the work, so I think you're looking at a situation where we may need to dial down expectations a lot for Hunter Henry, at least for the next few weeks until we see
0: something different here. If you find yourself looking for a replacement, a different tight end who played Monday night, Kobe Fleener, five catches, 54 yards on six targets, and a touchdown. I think as especially that offense has some stuff to figure out, as we talked about, he could be the beneficiary of, of some of those extra targets, uh, no longer going to Brandon Cooks. I think Kobe Fleener would be a savvy pickup this week.
2: Yep. Char- Charles Clay, another guy who, who looked like he might get yep. a fair amount of work in the Bills offense.
0: And
1: both of those guys probably on waivers in your league, especially if you're not in a deeper league, which makes them sound awfully like value picks. <laughs> value picks. All right, Jeff, you and I sat in the office and watched Carson Wentz pick apart the Washington Redskins secondary on Sunday. Why is he your value pick?
0: Yeah, he's my value pick because, one, I think you can get him in about half of leagues right now, owned in 49% of ESPN leagues. Uh, if he's available, I would go get him. I'd take him over quite a few guys who are being used as fantasy starters right now. I think there's obvious breakout potential with him. He had some knucklehead plays. Uh, our NFL reporter, Mark Maskey, uh, wrote up sort of how the spectacular gets mixed with, with some of the boneheaded stuff with, with Carson Wentz. But I think he's, he's a tremendous value. Uh, I, I would go get him uh, for the long term, but I also think he's a strong play this week. If you're in the quarterback streaming business, one other name we talked about him last week, and he, and he delivered. Jared Goff uh, of the Rams, he, he and playing the Redskins this week, uh, who struggled with wins. I think Goff in uh, in deeper leagues where you're sort of running out of options for whatever reason. For this week, I think Goff's an intriguing play.
2: And of course, Sean McVay, the head coach of uh, for Jared Goff and the Rams, uh, just came from the Redskins, so you might know a thing or two about attacking that defense. Yep. Um, the guy, the okay, I'm as opposed to a quarterback who had a really nice week one um, or a pair of them. I'm going to go with a quarterback who looked terrible in week one. See, I like this because it's bold, though. Yes, it's bold. Well, and that's why it's a value pick because a lot of people have gone all the way off of Carson Palmer. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't exactly a hot name before drafts, but I mean, I think there was some thought. Okay, that Cardinals offense looks pretty good. You know, you heard good reports about him in training camp and in the preseason, and then he just and he, and he had a great matchup at Detroit. You would have thought, uh, and he just laid a stinker. I mean. He threw three picks against just one touchdown. He accumulated a 53.2 rating. And then he lost, or in the course of the way, he lost, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, David Johnson, who basically was his second-best receiver last year. I've heard of him. So why do I like Carson Palmer? Well, for one thing, yes, I'm willing to give him – enough of the benefit of the doubt to say that he could very well be a bounce back candidate this week. As I mentioned, he looked good in the preseason. There were a lot of good reports about his arm. I saw him make throws in the preseason that looked pretty impressive. I know that he can get the ball downfield. Maybe he won't be consistent, but speaking of David Johnson's loss, he, you know, he won't have as much of a dump off option. He'll be forced I think to wing it a little bit more to be a little bit more aggressive to get the ball to get the ball to the John Browns of the world, maybe even Larry Fitzgerald a little bit more often. You know, obviously I think the loss of Johnson will hurt, but the main thing is of course he's playing the Colts yep. this week. So that helps. That helps. Now you would have thought Playing the Lions would have helped too, but again, let's give him one more chance. The Colts gave up the eighth-most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks a year ago. They're, I think they're still going to be without uh, their star cornerback, Vontae Davis, this week, so that helps. And, and we just mentioned Goff. The Colts just made him the 14th-best fantasy QB last week. I think they can at least do as much for uh, Carson Palmer.
1: One last value pick from my end Chris Hogan, New England Patriots. It sounds like Danny Amendola might be dealing with a concussion, so they're down another receiver. Chris Hogan, a pretty good deep threat. I think it's going to be a shootout against the Saints on Sunday. Chris Hogan could be a really good, cheap candidate, both in daily leagues and potentially off the waiver wire if you're looking for a bargain bin buy.
2: Fire! beware. 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 Well,
1: there are plenty of reasons to frown on the Cleveland Browns, Des, but give us one concerning their running back.
2: Yeah, Isaiah Crowell I think is in a little bit of trouble here this week, playing the Ravens, who looked fantastic last week, in mauling the Bengals, shutting them out, as I mentioned earlier. I think this Ravens defense could really be for real. I, I've tried to pick them up in, in any, every league I've been in. I actually sprung, spent more money than I, than I usually do in, in a fab league because I want them for the rest of the season. I think they just could be that monstrous. And you already saw Isaiah Crowell struggle on the ground against the Steelers last week, who also have a pretty good defense, but I think the Ravens are probably better. Isaiah Crowell had 17 carries for 33 yards last week. Salvaged his day a little bit with two catches for 33 yards, but I think we could be looking at another very low yardage outing mm-hmm. against Baltimore. You know, and this is a top 15 running back, at least in terms of his draft position. So, you know, he he he's obviously owned, and a lot a lot of teams are going to have him as their RB1. And, you know, if you have him, you probably, you, you might, I don't know. I mean, I would probably bench him for Terrence West, let's say, the guy on the other side of the line. Yeah, I could see that
1: play. I mean, if he's your RB1, I don't know how much flexibility you're going to have. But if you have options, it could be worth exploring this week. Jeff, up in Detroit, a name that has always been, like, on the tip of people's tongues when they're like, oh, this is the year. This is the year. Amir Abdullah going to break out. Not this week, at least.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, not this week. It certainly wasn't last week. In the in the Lions' big win over the Cardinals, 15 carries for 30 yards, uh, three catches for 11 yards on four targets, compared to Theo Riddick, who's the pass catching back there. He was targeted seven times, uh, ended up with the bigger fantasy day. I just don't think he. It, I think they're clearly looking to get in, get him involved. The running game really isn't there, and the big play potential, which is you know all we heard about from him since he came out of Nebraska. Um, it, it just hasn't been there, so I have concerns. Uh, I have concerns with him. Uh, generally speaking, this week the Giants' defense, uh, really, really good up front. Um, you know, eventually Ezekiel Elliott sort of broke through, but but he was bottled up in in, in some ways against that Giants' defense. They were on the field a lot, though. Uh, they were absolutely, and I think you know you. you you see one play with Damon Harrison in there in the middle of that defense. No one wants to run in there. So uh, <laughs> I, I do think uh, Abdul is not uh, not a great long term play the rest of the season, and, and I wouldn't start him this week if, if you're considering him in your flex spot. I,
2: I think we saw a lot of encouraging signs from the Lions' offense, though. They played up tempo, which was something they got away from last week, and I was concerned about overall for Detroit coming into the season. So I think, it, and you saw Matthew Stafford look pretty good, Galladay, obviously. So it does look like it's an offense that's going to be able to move the ball, but I, I agree, maybe not this week because the Giants. Defenses for real
1: one scary matchup from the quarterback perspective Kirk Cousins something's wrong with the Washington offense the offensive line doesn't look good the running game is non-existent the rapport with the receivers isn't there Terrell Pryor's dropping balls Jordan Reed had a tough matchup against the Eagles but he didn't do too much either I am staying away against the Rams they're getting Aaron Donald back that's not going to be a good matchup against a yeah, really that's a problem questionable offensive line at the moment.
0: Fletcher Cox had a really big game, uh, interior game. pass rusher the Eagles, and then and then Donald, assuming he's been uh, staying in shape during his uh, lengthy holdout here, yeah, uh, he, he's the biggest nightmare interior rusher in the game. So I totally agree with you on yeah, that one. Mike.
2: We, we just can't overstate the improvements that the Rams made on their coaching staff in the off season. I mean, dumping Jeff Fisher was a huge step in and of itself. Bringing in an offensive line mind like Sean McVay, huge step, and then they brought in Wade Phillips to run the yeah. defense, who's that's possibly the greatest defensive coordinator of his era so you know the rams are definitely a force to be contended with what to watch for
1: week two is at hand and every nfl team is playing
0: this week jeff what are you going to be watching I'm going to be watching the Jacksonville offense, which I don't think has been said on a fantasy podcast, maybe <laughs> in the history of time. but uh, not, not willingly, anyway. It, <laughs> yeah, Fred was, Taylor says hi. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Maurice Jones, true. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, so very impressive week one result for that team. Big win over the Texans. Um, I think that was an atypical game in the sense that uh, Texans offense obviously was a total mess Uh Uh, they didn't really seem like they were ready to play. Uh, A much tougher opponent this week in Tennessee on both sides of the ball. Tennessee having dropped their opening game, they can't fall to 0-2, especially against a divisional opponent. If uh, If this is a game where Tennessee jumps out to a lead or it's more back and forth, do we still see the heavy volume from Leonard Fournette? 26 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown, really strong debut. Obviously, they want to give him the ball, but it's different when you're when you're trailing uh, to be able to do that. And then the big question at the receiver position, Allen Robinson, torn ACL, done for the year, Marquise Lee, Alan Hearns, how do we value them in fantasy moving forward? Uh, we didn't see a ton out of Blake Bortles. They intentionally kept the ball out of his hands, 23 pass attempts. Yeah. mission accomplished there. Uh, you know, what, what's it going to look like uh, in a game when they don't jump out early? Uh, and I don't think they will against the Titans in this one. So what, what's going on with the Jacksonville offense, those three guys in particular?
2: Yeah, and I think you could, you could also, I'm also intrigued by the Jags defense. I mean, we talked briefly about yep. some other defenses that look pretty strong, the Ravens in particular. The Jags defense looked really great last week, and I'd like to see if they can do that again uh, I'm going to keep things in Florida and go with the Miami Dolphins a team that we were not able to watch in week one so I'm very interested in watching them this week and see what they got especially with Jay Cutler at quarterback what are we going to get from Jay Cutler will it be good Jay bad Jay I mean we know it'll be largely indifferent Jay but can he you know is he going to wing the ball downfield to Devontae Parker like it looked like he was planning on doing in the preseason they were able to hook up a little bit uh, how good does Jhi look? Does the offensive line uh, function better in front of him? What kind of role does Jarvis Landry have, Julius Thomas? A lot of unanswered questions in the Dolphins with a lot of fantasy implications, so I am eager to watch them.
0: The guy I'm most eager to see in that game, Devonte Parker, uh, is does he emerge as that big outside target that Alshon Jeffrey was? He was referred to as a faster Alshon Jeffrey, yep. uh, which uh, most most people who profile uh, as that size probably are. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey maybe not the fastest uh, in terms of foot speed, although I do like him this week. Uh, but I think Devonte Parker is an intriguing guy. Does he have that high fantasy upside with Cutler as his quarterback?
1: All right, my what to watch for is going to be off the field again. We've been talking about Ezekiel Elliott because he's one of the most fantasy, uh, one of the top fantasy players there is right now. And his court case just keeps getting weirder and weirder. So he was granted the temporary restraining order so he can continue to play, and he will do so as long as that stays stays in effect. Now, here's the weird part. The NFL appealed the decision. So Elliott appealed the suspension. That was denied. Then the temporary restraining order went into effect, and the NFL has appealed that.
0: I'm getting confused, Mike.
1: Well, the, the dumb part is that that appeal goes back to the judge that issued the restraining order in the first place. So unless he's changed his mind in the past week, is basically going to then be sent to the Court of Appeals. So this process could play out for a while. The key thing to watch for, if the NFL's appeal is it wins its appeal, he will be suspended while his court case plays out. Okay. If they do not win that appeal, he will be eligible to play. So that's what you should be paying attention to. NFL's appeal... Uh, I believe briefs are due by the NFL at the end of the week uh, to Judge Manzant. And after that uh, point, we'll have a little bit cl- more clarity on the timeline. But it definitely
0: looks like he's good to go for week two. Beyond that, stay tuned. Yeah, and also d- interesting in Dallas, uh, obviously there's no question mark, as long as Elliott is in there. But Darren McFadden was uh, a healthy yeah. scratch in that game. Uh, Alfred Morris was actually uh, the backup running back. Now, he did not have any success in the in the plays he spelled Elliott Uh, But that's an interesting uh, situation for fantasy owners to monitor. A lot of people drafted uh, Darren McFadden, and I think he's getting dropped in most leagues after after not playing in Week 1.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, we are
1: just getting ramped up. The fantasy season has only just begun. Week 2 coming up next. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave us a review while you're in there. Follow all of our fantasy football content on TheWashingtonPost.com and give us a shout on Twitter.
2: I'm at Mike Hume Post. I'm at Des Beeler, also issuing a plea for some reviews. We we could really use a few on iTunes and everywhere else. Thank you so much to our listeners. I'm at Jeff
0: Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening.
2: See ya.